Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. Today, I get a chance to have an amazing conversation with Larry Hagner from The Good Dad Project or The Dad Edge. He is uh, an amazing man with an awesome story about his own personal journey. And he talks about really, uh, you know, five pillars of things that we want to do to live our best life as a dad and a husband. We talk about money, we talk about health, marriage, and we talk about kids and being a leader. And we specifically dive into skills and how being and having an awesome marriage and having awesome relationships with our kids can be a skill. It's not just something you wake up with one day and you have. And he gets uh, he gets deep with some tactical examples. And I just think that if you're on a mission to be a great dad and have a great marriage, uh, this is a podcast you definitely will not want to miss. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. All right, Larry, I am super excited to connect with you today and have you on the podcast. Or thanks for making time, man. Yeah, man. My pleasure, Nick. It's, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation, brother. Yeah, it was awesome to meet you through a mutual friend. And I think, you know, what you're doing uh, with your work and for dads is awesome. And I, th- I know our ISI tribe will have a lot to learn uh, and a lot to, you know, to hear about in our conversation. So I just want to kick off with, you know, learning a little bit about you, having you share a little bit about your background and upbringing and uh, just kind of bring us up and tell us a little bit about who you are. For sure, man. So, you know, I, I grew up uh, just kind of in a fatherless environment, to be to be honest. Um I, uh, you know, I, I, well, I should, I should back up. I, I grew up half my childhood was spent without, without a father figure and the, and the other half was spent with a variety of different ones, just depending on what year, how old I was, what season it was, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I kind of grew up, my mom and biological father were married in 1971. I was born in 1975. Uh, they were, I think they stayed together for about another year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got divorced. I, I really have no recollection of my father growing up. Uh, he, he left, signed over parental rights. I think that from what I understand, the divorce with my, with my mom and him were pretty, it was pretty bitter. So with that being said, what happened was, um, you know, he left and was out of my life. And then yeah, I, I'll never forget this. I was four at the time I was in preschool, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. I, I knew what a dad was. And I remember men coming to pick up their kids from preschool and I knew, Oh, that's a dad. Okay, cool. My interpretation of that when I was a kid was moms go out and find dads. You know, there, there was no, um, there was no other way. They just go out and find dads after a while. And, uh, my mom just hadn't found ours yet. And I was okay with that. It didn't really bother me at all. Mm -hmm. So what I did was, is, uh, the first time she brought a man home, I'll never forget it. Um, he, I was four years old. He was a white collar data software engineer. Uh, he came, he, my mom met him at work. He came over to our house for dinner f- f- so he could meet me. Um, he literally walked into our house and he was wearing like the typical three-piece suit, like <laughs> double Windsor tie, oh, man. trench coat, briefcase. You know, there was no, there was no iPads or anything like that back then. Um, and he had like the feathered hair and the handlebar mustache and very polite man and, you know, extended his hand and shook my hand. And, and literally my first questions out of my mouth was, are you going to be my dad? Like that's literally <laughs> the first words that came out of my mouth to this poor guy. Wow. Wow. And I think my mom kind of took that as a sign, like, Hey, like maybe this is a sign that I should, you know, settle down again. And so she did. And he, they got married and he adopted me and I was in their wedding. I was the ring bearer. And, mm. um, they stayed together for the next six years. They got divorced when I was 10. And uh, every year that they were together, it just got progressively worse and worse and worse. I think my mom, looking back on it, I don't think my mom ever was in love with him. I think she wanted, she liked the idea that we were going to be a family. 
And that's what she fell in love with, I think. And uh, over time, their relationship like really soured. And uh, he was a big drinker. You know, when he was sober, he was like the easiest, easiest guy on the planet to be mm-hmm. around and talk to. But when he was drinking, he was verbally, uh, physically abusive. And, you know, he wasn't, uh, he, he came with an iron fist a lot. And there was a lot of beatings and there was a lot of abuse and a lot of uh, poor choice of words growing up. And then they got divorced when I was about 10 and they, that was it. I, I have not seen him since. Wow. Um, I found out a few years back, he, he passed away, but uh, I had not seen him since he was out of my life. So, you know, at that point in my life, when I was 10, I started to ask a lot of questions. Like, where did I come from? Like, I know he wasn't my father. Like what, what's this, you know, what's going on here? And mm-hmm. my mom told me she was married and what my father's name was. And I asked, I was like, well, where is he? And she's like, I actually don't know. I haven't spoken to him in years. <laughs> so, Lo and behold, when I was 12, just a couple of years later, I, I won't get into it for sake of time, but I, I ran into him by mistake. I knew his name and I had an opportunity to meet him by mistake. And, and I did. And we, mm. that then developed into a relationship that lasted about six months. He was remarried at the time, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And we were, it was cool at first, you know, it was really exciting. I started calling him dad, like right off the bat. I was really wow. excited to have a father in my life, even my own father. And then it was, um, it was probably six months into the relationship. He just, I felt him start to drift and I kind of called him out on it. Even at 12 years old, I was like, Hey, what's going on? I just, something's, something doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Yeah. And he just kind of gave me, I don't even remember how the conversation went. I just remember how it ended. And it kind of just felt like it's me. It's not you. It's not the right time for me. Hmm. And he left and that was devastating, man. Um, I started just emotionally overeating. Um, I was not a popular kid in school. I was terrible at sports. No father figure in my life. I failed eighth grade. I actually had to redo eighth grade twice. Um, went on to high school, went on to college, got my college degree. Um, my mom dated and married a couple more times. You know, she dated a lot and it was always the same kind of guy, just heavy drinker, you know, partier, um, same guy, different face, you know, it just depended on the year mm-hmm. and just super unstable father figure, father figures growing up. So I'll, I'll end the story here. Um, when I was 30, two things happened in my life. Number one, I became a father for the first time. And the second thing is this, I found out when you're in a Starbucks randomly for a business meeting, <laughs> oh, two yeah. things, two things will happen. Number one, you'll, if you're in Starbucks, you'll always overpay for coffee. and number two you may just run into a biological parent that you hadn't seen in 18 years by mistake oh my gosh which i ran to him again 18 years later later, i was 30 and i knew exactly who he was when he walked in and he hadn't changed much and i was like wow that's my father you recognize him from age 12 yeah i knew i knew exactly who he was right when he walked in wow and um, my business partner at the time i was in pharmaceutical sales you know, I was sitting there with her and we were, we were going through like sales numbers and targets. And she just looked at me. She's like, are you okay? You look, you just seen a ghost. And I was like, yeah, you're not going to believe this. I told her who just walked in. She was like, oh my God, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? I was like, oh, absolutely nothing. Just going to sit here and like, let him go. I was like, what am I going to say? It's been, you know, last time yeah. I talked to him, he basically told me it was him, not me and, and scooted out of my life for the second time. I'm not, I have nothing to say to him. Wow. So without another word, she just went over there. She just got up and went over to him. I was like, oh my God. Whoa. So, 
yeah, it's it was kind of very crazy, very surreal. And I can tell you fight, flight or f- freeze uh, was definitely on my mind and heart because I didn't when you mm-hmm. make eye contact with your father that you hadn't seen in 18 years from 50 feet away. Um, you're like, do I leave? Do I punch him? You know, or do I just freeze? And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the latter half, the freeze was there. I just sat there and he just came walking over and we connected. And again, for the sake of time, here we are 16 years later, we've, we've got a good relationship now. I have two younger half brothers. He's still married to the same woman. He's been with her for over 40 years. Hmm. Um, we've got a good friendship. We've got a good relationship. I've decided, you know, we've decided like, Hey, the past is the past was what it was. Let's just focus on the future. That's what we've done. Um, but dad edge, you know, what I'm doing today really came out of, I was completely lost for the first six years of being a father and a husband didn't know which end was up and I wasn't showing up well at all. And I wanted to, and mm-hmm. good dad project slash dad edge really started on a really bad note. It started a really dark time. Um, my 13 year old, he's 13 now. He was four at the time, uh, stepped out of line one night. I spanked him. He hit the ground mm-hmm. and I told myself I would never do anything like that. And I went to help him up. And he looked at me like I was a monster and wow. that freaked me out because I, I'm, I'm not a person who hits number one, but number two, um, it was very surreal to see that look in my son's eye, you know, that, you know, I'm his protector, I'm his father. And in that moment, I actually saw myself because that's how I was raised. Hmm. And it was in that moment, you know, as, as an adult, what I can tell you is I did what every adult does in that moment. And that is when you're stressed out, when you're overwhelmed, you have a bad moment, you go get on social media just to distract yourself. Well, and, um, that was the night in my office. I was very emotional. I was really ashamed of myself for what I just did. And I saw this button in the left-hand corner said, create a page. And I clicked that button and the words, the good dad project just rolled off my heart onto that keyboard. And that was just a surrender. And what I was going to, my, my decision that night was I'm going to create this page because I need help. And I'm, I, I am, I, I need to be a good dad. And I'm going to become my own project and yeah. I'm going to do this. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to post anything and everything that I'm learning about being a better man, husband and father, just on this page. I never did it ever for <laughs> followers. I just did it as public accountability, really. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And that then grew into a blog in 2013, podcast 2015, still podcasting today, uh, six years, over 700 episodes. Um, still learning, still a moron father, father of four boys now instead of just two. Um, and what I can tell you is everything that we talk about on the show, you know, it's, it's really sad. The reflections that I've learned is sad and relieving at the same time, you know, society really sets us up for, I wouldn't say failure, but the expectation that we don't need help. So it takes, you know, I'll give you an example. It takes 990 hours to be a cop to go from mm. police academy to actually a police officer behind the wheel of your squad car. Wow. Um, and most people don't prepare at all to be a husband or father. They just wing it. And can you imagine what the world would look like if careers, the military, the police, or any profession you walked in and they're like, Oh yeah, we have no training program <laughs> today. You're a cop. Just head on go, down. To the go for it. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Here's your gun. Here's your badge. Here's your squad car. Go, go fight crime. Best of luck. You'll be fine. Best time. It it is crazy. I remember that when we were in the hospital with our twins and we had done, you know, some basic parenting courses and and whatnot. And Nancy, my wife and I, we were getting ready to leave the hospital. I'm like, 
I can't believe we can just like leave with these kids. Like, do they even know, <laughs> right. do they know that we like, that we just changed our first set of diapers? Right. Like, <laughs> right, right. like no way there's no test. There's no nothing. Yeah. So, uh, man, we are definitely, I mean, it's easy to be unprepared. I would say. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree, man. So you write this blog, um, you're started, I'm guessing people find it and hear about it. You start podcasting. Um, but bring us up to, you know, as a long journey, there's, you know, eight, eight years or so along that journey, but brings up to current state with the dad edge, good dad project. There's a couple of key elements to it, right? We got the, the podcast, but you have more than that too, right? I do. Yeah. So, um, you know, good dad, I, it's, it's really dad edge now, uh, the okay. dad edge. I mean, everything, we still host everything over at gooddadproject.com, but you know, as far as like resources and, and things that we do now, uh, what, you know, just by learning, like, what, what is it that men really, really need? You know, there, there are five elements in our life that really have our attention as men and fathers. And it's five elements that we get the least amount of training on. Uh, one is our personal finances. You know, it's like literally, you know, we learn polyelograms or whatever they're called. We learn algebra, but we don't even learn personal finance growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one thing that stresses us out. And if you look at the divorce rates, um, 50% of all divorces are due to financial distress and strain and, and, and that kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. the real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the second element that we help men with is help, help them to optimize their physical, mental, emotional health and spiritual health. Uh, we do that through mastermind groups and physical challenges and all kinds of things that we do there. Most men, I can tell you their perception of self-care. Most men view it as a, well, if I'm taking care of myself, that's selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing is further from the truth. You know, if you're taking care of yourself, it's actually very selfless because then you can be a more empowering leader. You can be a better leader, you know, just by taking care of yourself. And what most men do is they throw their own mental, emotional, and physical health on the sword. They do it out of no, we do it out of nobility, you know, this feeling of no nobility. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately we, we really take a beating in our relationships and, and how we show up. And then third element is creating an extraordinary marriage. You know, there's, there's four key elements to that, but most of us have no clue. How do, how do I create a, an extraordinary marriage? What does that even look like? How does that even operate? You know, there's communication in there. There's your self-care, there's partnership, there's friendship and lovers. You know, that's the four elements of a legendary marriage. Um, there's also communication and what most of us view as creating an extraordinary marriage is, well, she's my soulmate. I love her. She loves me. I love her. It should just work out. We have these, you know, marriage is a feeling. Marriage is not a feeling. It's actually a skill, you know, and it's implementing skills of communication. Like when I'll take communication, for example, most of us will view communication as we describe it as what we want. When you ask most men like, Hey, if you were to communicate with your wife, what does that look like? And they're like, well, I want it better. Well, what Mm -hmm. does better look like? I really don't know. Or they'll say, I want more, more communication. Well, what does that look like? I don't really know. But inside of communication, there's skills. One is tactical empathy. One is active listening. One is emotional validation. Another one is um, using things like labels and mirrors, not, not ever asking, the, not ever using the word why. You know, mm-hmm. using the word why with any, anybody, any situation, especially your wife, will actually put her on the defense. And I'll give you an example. If, you, yeah. if I were to say, hey, Nick, hey, I saw you sent that email. Why'd you send that email? <laughs> you know, immediately, even if I'm like, hey, man, why, why'd you send that email? Even if you think it was a great email. Yeah, yeah you're immediately like, thinking... Yeah. It brings that two-year-old out in us. But I'm like, if I say, Hey, Nick, I saw that email. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. It's the same question, but it's totally different. So again, it's, you know, it's skill and that's, that's one skill of many in there. Mm, That's Um, deep. I mean, I feel like we could spend 
lots of uh, lots of hours discussing that one. And I'm sure there's some good episodes on your uh, podcast that you do go deep on that one. We do. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, yeah. And then the last two is the connection with your kids. Um, connection with your kids is creating an environment of psychological safety. Um, also connecting with them through experiences, you know, intentional experiences. And then uh, the fifth el- fifth element is being a leader, you know, leading yourself, leading your family, leading within your career. Um, those are the elements that we teach. Um, as far as resources go, like I said, we, you know, we have, we have dad edge Alliance, which is our, it's our community of men. It's our brotherhood where we teach these skills. You know, we help mm-hmm. men create these extraordinary lives. That's awesome. I mean, it, your, your five pillars, you know, we have five, uh, F's that we use within our interpreters are, which are faith, family, yeah. faculty, yeah. which is your work and then finance and fitness. So there's, there's a, a, a ton of overlap. We've just named them different things, but yeah. you know, you're touching on a lot of the, you know, a lot of the exact same things and we do everything from, you know, from how, how do you not just compartmentalize those things? But for us, you know, how can faith be at the center of, of what you're doing within all those? Like, how can you bring, you know, your faith into your money, into your health, into your marriage and your other yeah. key, key relationships and into, sure. you know, how you want to be as a leader. So that's a little, a little different, you know, angle, um, than, than what you're doing. And I, I love that. And I love that you go deep on the, the communication as a, as a skill and marriage as a skill versus mm-hmm. it just being like, it's just going to automatically work because right. we, we fell in love one time and it's just going to work. Right. It's, exactly. Um, yeah. Knowing that you have to put energy into it, just like anything that's good, any garden that produces, you know, a good crop, you got to work on it. You know, you have to right. nurture it and love it and take care of it. And, and I think that's the same with any key relationship that you have or anything that's important to you. Exactly. I totally agree with you on that one, my man. That's awesome. So I was going to ask about, you know, cause I'm guessing guys come in, and there's maybe one of the five areas that you touch on that there maybe brings them in is, you know, you mentioned money being 50% of the issues, but how are, how are guys like, yeah. what, what draws them to you? Like what do they, are they, they sense that something's off or are, are they coming to you because they just know they can be better? What's, what are people coming to you with and what's the common thing? It's a good question. I mean, so we, you know, the first step, if, if men want to be a part of what we do, they have to apply. Hmm. And, uh, we don't do that for arrogance. Um, we, we do that for two reasons. Number one, we want to know like, Hey, what's got your attention in your life? You know, what's on your mind and heart that, that we can, we can help you with. Right. Because if a man is going to go to the trouble of filling out an application, there's something on his mind and heart that he wants. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, the other reason we do that too, is because that gives us context of like, okay, this guy, this is what this guy wants. Right. Um, the other reason too is, you know, I, we're blessed, man, to have, you know, 600 plus men that do life with us on the daily, the weekly, the monthly, right. Um, in in the community. And what I can tell you is that every single man there is imperfect, but we're hungry. We're humble. And man, we, we really want to take action. Like we, have, mm. we're just hungry to learn and take action. We're curious and th- there really is no egos. Like there's no alpha males. Like if mm. a man speaks up about like, Hey guys, I don't really have the intimacy that I want with my wife. I'm not, and I don't know what's missing. You will never, ever hear a man in the group say, well, man up, grow a set of balls and tell her what you want. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, I, and I really feel that the application process weeds out because a guy who has that mentality or attitude, he's not going to go to the trouble of taking five minutes to fill out some information. Right. It's really a gateway. And then, so to answer your question, like what's really on the mind and hearts of men, 
I would say 80% of our applications, 80%, I want to create an extraordinary marriage. Hmm. Like, that's really on the mind and heart of a man. Like I really want the, this woman that I married, man, I want to be on top of the world with this woman. Hmm. And that's, I would say eight out of 10 men. That's, that's what's on their mind and heart. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, what a, yeah, that's what we all want. We want to be, you know, we want to be close, we want to be loving, we want to be growing old, holding hands as we're, you know, wrinkly and, <laughs> you know, raise amazing kids and do all that stuff. I mean, I, I can echo that. I feel the same way, you know, to that topic. And you, t- you talked about communication as a skill, but I mean, when it comes to that thriving relationship that we all are looking for, um, to then maybe show up the best as the best dad to our kids, what are, what are your, what comes right to top of mind for what are your, what's your like top couple things that you think, if you don't do anything else, get this right in terms of your marriage. Yeah. So if anything, get anything right. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty simple actually. And this is right in line with communication. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think it's really, it's really key to understand like, what are your basic needs as a man Mm -hmm. and what are hers? Right. So if you look at the three basic needs of a man, it's, uh, to feel appreciated, to feel respected and to be validated. And I know that that most men don't want to hear that, but that that is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, men really do want to know like, am I good enough? You know, am I, am I enough for you? Right. Do I deliver everything that all your needs, wants and desires, right? Am I, am I the man? And men do want to hear that. Most men don't want to admit that they want to hear that, but that they do. Uh, now her needs are to feel seen, heard and connected to you, seen, heard and connected. If you ever want to make your woman feel completely unimportant, don't hear her. Don't listen to her. Don't see her. In other words, don't appreciate her. Like, Hey, I saw you did this thing. Or I saw that you, you know, uh, Colton fell down and I I saw how you just picked him up and, and just hugged him, you know, and comforted Mm -hmm. him. That was amazing. You know, right. Mm -hmm. And to feel connected. Most women desperately want a connection with us. And the easiest way to feel disconnected is to not listen to her and try to fix everything that's going on in her life. So I would say, here's, here's the thing. If you haven't YouTubed the video, it's not about the nail. It's hilarious, but it's absolutely true. Okay. Um, it's this woman talking to this man. She's got a nail literally stuck in her head and she's tormenting to her husband about how she has a headache and she has all these problems and she wakes up and, and she doesn't know what's going on with her head and, and it's like straining her and it's heavy. It's this heavy burden. She can't focus. She can't concentrate. And the guy's like, well, you do have a nail sticking out of your head. And if you just pull that thing out, you'll be fine. And she's like, you're not hearing me. Like, it's not about the nail. Like, you're not hearing a word that I'm saying. He's like, uh, I'm pretty sure I am. So, and then at the very, at kind of towards the end of the video, she's venting and he's like, that sounds really hard. And you could tell he's like struggling validate her like that's really what it is and she's like oh my god thank you so much for hearing me and so it's 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 a humorous Mm -hmm. but it's very true so like what i can tell you is when a woman decides to open up you know to you about about something that's going on it could be about the kids could be about a rough day it could be maybe she's maybe she's even happy about something the best thing you can do is validate and that's one of the, the one of the things we teach in communication so like for instance if you're if your wife is going through a rough time with one of the kids like Oh my gosh, these kids are driving me crazy. There's so many demands in the morning. Like one wants chocolate milk, the other one wants toast. The, you know, the other one won't get off the iPad. Like they're just driving me crazy. If you're like, why are you so upset about this? Like just 
just tell the one to make his own breakfast. Um, the other one, just take the iPad away. And, you know, what's the problem, right? And not that we'd be that demeaning, but we could be like, you know, yeah, we'll do fix this, it. This. Yeah, just fix it. And that is what will make your woman feel unheard and unseen. I know it doesn't make any logical sense, but the best thing you can do is be like, wow, yeah, that, that does sound frustrating. Like mm-hmm. I can only imagine like just waking up out of bed and literally the demands are just flying at you. Like, where's my chocolate milk? Where's my toast? Like, Hey, get off the iPad. Right. So like, Hey, how might I best support you right now? What, what do you need? How can I help mm-hmm. if, wow. if you need help or do you just need to, do you just need a sounding board right now? And that's what your woman really needs is sometimes just a sounding board and just to be validated. Like, yep, I see you. I know how you feel. I get it. Right. Yeah. And that's really sometimes all we need. In fact, that's more powerful than being like, let me just take over from here. So can we actually rewire our brains, Larry? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Man. But skill. Like that's the thing, man. It's, it's wired in our DNA to problem solve. Mm-hmm. It's wired in our DNA to hunt and gather. And to look at the world of like, what can I go fix? What can I go do? But that's not the way a lot of our women are wired. Our women are are emotional beings that simply need to feel seen and heard. Mm -hmm. And if that's how we looked at our women, like in order for me to ultimately solve this and connect with her, I just need to know that I see her and hear her. Mm. And for most men, it's like, wow, that just sounds way too simple for me. Like, it almost sounds like I'm not even doing my job if I don't, if I don't tell her what I'm seeing is the issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I love that you're touching on that because I think it's, you know, we get frustrated maybe sometimes that we don't feel like we are being our, our best, you know, we know there's something wrong and it's like, man, why, why am I not just, why doesn't this come natural to me? And it's like going into a karate class or something and saying, yep. you know, I don't know any of this stuff. It's yes. skill. These are skills, you know, and they're learnable things that we can all uh, get better at, which is super encouraging. And I'm glad that you approach it that way. And I think that's, I mean, I love it. Um, and I appreciate you kind of going the deep dive on, on the marriage thing, touching on kids for just a brief moment. Cause I mean, I think that's one of the things that most, most of the guys in our community are our fathers or are wanting a similar relationship with their kids. What's your, uh, what's your hit list for must do's with kids? Just like you kind of went through with marriage. Yeah. So I, w- with marriage or with kids, I'm sorry. Uh, with the kids, with kids. Yeah. So, um, here's, here's a skill set, uh, create an environment of psychological safety for your mm-hmm. kids. And what does that mean? Right. Create an environment of psychological safety. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I have four boys, right? Mm-hmm. I have t- two teenagers and two young, I, I've got the bigs and the littles. I've got 15, 13, seven and five. Um, what I can tell you is that now I just got lucky with the two older ones because I, I was luckily, luckily I started learning things when they were younger that I was implementing, but I had no clue what I was implementing. Hmm. So kids have the same need. They, they want to feel seen, heard and connected to you. They also don't want an environment where there's shame, guilt and judgment. Right. And, and a lot of us, we're raised in that environment where we felt shame, guilt, and judgment. And what did that do? It, it, it literally shut us down. And we, we learn, most of us learned, unless you were raised in the rare environment where your, where, where your family, your mom and dad were your go-to when things hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Most of us weren't raised in that environment. Most of us were raised in an environment like, oh my God, this just happened. My dad can never find out. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and right. we got to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. We got to hide it what we want to create is like, Oh my God, this just happened. I need to call my dad now. Mm. Right. Or, you know, you got a bad grade on the test. 
or you um, got in a fight at school or, you know, you broke a window or something, right? And your go-to, your default is to hide it or to own it. And if you can teach your kids to own it and how you teach them, you know, you teach them obviously ownership, but then you've got to be the one that's going to receive the ownership in, in a, in a good way. Right Hmm. now, I'm not saying that you have to create a discipline free environment. That is not the case. We, we do plenty of disciplining around here, but when my kid comes to me and says, Hey dad, um, I got an F on my science test. My reaction is not going to be like, dude, what do you, what do you mean? you got an F on your science test. Didn't you study? Why did you do that? Why, why did this even happen? Come on, man. Don't Shame you know how important your grades are, right? Yeah. You're grounded. Now, do you think he's going to come to me again? No, absolutely not. So the way I'm going, I'm going to approach that. Of course, now internally, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm like, come on, man. Like, how do you get an F on your science test? But that's not what I'm going to say to him. Hmm. I'll, I'll say, I kind of take the, the, the skill set is this. If your kids hit you with something, I always tell my kids this. I was like, listen, if you own something and you're honest, I'm not going to punish you. And I won't even get mad. Sometimes you got to help me manage that though. And you've got to give me a warning. So like, if you're about ready to lay something on me that you think I might not take, well, do this, be like, Hey dad, I need to tell you something. And you can't get upset. <laughs> That's my trigger that there you're you about ready to lay something big and I got to just be prepared for it. And they do that. That's you know, they'll good. be like, Hey dad, I got to tell you something. You can't be mad. I'm like, okay, what's up? And now I'm ready. Like, hey, I got an F on that science test. And my, my response is like, okay, you got an F. All right. So um, wh- what do you think happened? Like, why do you think you got that? Mm-hmm. Or I, I try to not use why I'd be like, tell me about that. Yeah. And sure. right. And they'll be like, well, I don't really think I studied that hard for it. And if I'm being really honest, I didn't really study at all. I'm like, okay. Um, tell me, tell me more about why you didn't study. And they'll be like, well, I really didn't think I needed to. I thought I knew all the material. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, looking back on it, what would you have done differently? Well, I realized mm-hmm. I didn't know the material that well. I would have studied way harder. I'm like, okay, so um, <laughs> let's, let's take this. And here's how you guide them, right? You'd be like, let's take this situation right now, right? You got enough on this test. How might you maybe go to your teacher and have a conversation about how to fix this situation if it's fixable? Like, well, I think I'd go to my teacher and be like, listen, I didn't study for this test. Is is there a way that I can make up my grade for this either by extra credit work or can I retake it or can I do something, right? The answer is always no until you ask. Yeah, you're guiding them, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. go try that. If that doesn't work, then what are you going to do? Well, I think the next time I have a test, I'm definitely going to study. Okay, great. What support do you need from me to ensure that that happens? I just, I'll tell you the next time I have a test and then you, can you, can you hold me to the fact that I, I will study for it? Yeah, man, let's do that together. Let's have a conversation about it every Friday. Let's look at the next week and see what's on the horizon for testing or quizzes or whatever else is due. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm here to support you. Mm. And by the way, thanks for being courageous and telling me about the test. And sounds like there was a lot of great learnings out of it. Right. And we're going to do things differently from now on. And ah, they walk away from that conversation and they're like, wow, I didn't get punished. My dad didn't yell. I didn't get shamed or guilted. And I actually, and here's the, here's the cool part. Like here's the, like the Miyagi part as a father, you make them articulate the solution. You don't yeah. tell them what to do. You make, you ask the questions to get them to come up with it. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what we do. Their problem. They're figuring out how to solve problems, which is right. basically all you do in life is figure out how to solve this problem or the next thing. Exactly. 
That is awesome. I love that. And you created a, a confidant in the, in the situation by being an ally with your, right. with your son. So man, I love that. Thank you for walking through that. I mean, that, that's such a great example because it is a skill, you know, and you prepped, you know, you taught your kids to prep you with, Hey dad, you know, right. Don't, don't get mad. Like, I love it. I love so many things about that. So I appreciate you sharing. Well, Larry, I mean, there's so much to, to learn and that's, that's a good way for, you know, if guys want to know more, you know, I say, you know, connect with you and your podcast and, and check out the dad edge and the good dad project. There's so much there. Um, kind of as we, a couple of wrap up questions for you. Um, number one, just, you know, for you, I, I ask everybody this, but for you, what brings you the most joy, you know, for you personally? Uh, the thing that brings me the most joy are experiences with kids. Um, I'll give you an example of that. So I, I love to adventure with my kids. I've done some really fun things with kids. I actually took my two oldest boys through a rite of passage, uh, where I, we hiked up a 14,000 foot mountain nice. and, um, it was an all day thing, all weekend thing. And, and it was a huge experience for them. Uh, so I'm big on adventure. Mm-hmm. I'm also, I'm really big on experiences over stuff. And what I mean by that is my, my wife and I and our entire family, we've gone through exercises to where we really understand what it is that we value as individuals and as families. Right. Hmm. And, you know, so like Christmases and stuff like that, like we spend 50 bucks on each kid and we take, uh, you know, an, an additional amount of money outside of that. And we're like, okay, like, let's look at the year. What is it we want to do as a family versus mm-hmm. like, how can we get you more video games and stuff like that? Right. Love that. Um, I'll give you one, one final example. Um, we just did a, a backyard project and where we laid a, a really large patio and, this big circle fire pit and you know, it's, it's really, and we got speakers out there to listen to music and, and it's like this huge gathering space. And my neighbor just bought a brand new C8 Corvette, like the ones that look like a Lamborghini. (laughs) Yeah. And my kids, like they were, you know, I, I don't value cars. Like I still drive the same $13,000 car that I've had for the past five years. I refuse to get rid of it. <laughs> and my 15 year old and I were outside on our, on our, on our backyard patio, you know, just sitting there chilling, having a conversation. He had his friends over. My 13 year old had his friends over. Like we had 17 kids over and, um, playing music and just enjoying, you know, and, my my son looked at me and he goes, Dad, when are you gonna buy a nice car? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, What makes you say that? He's like, Well, you know, so and so just bought that C eight, you know, Corvette. Like, when are you gonna get your car's terrible? I was like, Yeah, yeah, it is. I was like, but I don't value cars. And I was like, if you think about it, um, Ethan, I was like, and we were sitting sitting on the patio, I was like, You're sitting in my Corvette right now. Yeah. He's like, What are you talking about? I was like, I don't spend money on cars. I spend money on where we gather as a family and what we experience. I was like, I would much rather, I was like, look at your friends. Look at how they love being here. We're listening to music. Everybody's eating pizza. Everybody's got some sodas. Like we're playing some basketball back here. Like we're enjoying a fire. I would much rather have this. This is just me. I was like, versus a car that holds two people. And which one would you rather have? Yeah. And he's just like, you could tell it just hit him. And he's like, yep. He's like, Good choice. You don't need a Corvette. Got it. I love being in your Corvette, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this, is your, this is my Corvette back here. Oh, I mean, it is. That's oh, that's such a good way. Experiences or things, man. That's that's powerful for sure. That's really cool. I love that. And your kids are getting it too. Um, any, you know, 
obviously connecting with you and everything you're doing is a good recommendation, but any, any top book that you, you know, give or recommend or something maybe you're reading now that's impactful to you? Yeah. So I, I've got quite a few, I would say the, the book that like literally sent me on this path, like to, to do the things we're doing today. I read, it was back in 2014. I read Mark Devine's Unbeatable Mind. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was. And he's been on my podcast now three times. And what I can tell you is I listened to that book over and over and over again on audio. Like as I cut my grass or I was in the gym, I couldn't get enough of it. I just kept listening to it. Mm. But that book, like I, I kept listening to it over and over because I was like, wow, this is like, this is literally the X factor of my life. You know, it talks about overcoming fear, getting out of your own way, like how to talk yourself out of fear-based mentality and, and that type of thing and how to, you know, build emotional resilience and mental toughness and do it in such a way towards heartfelt, not, not like banging your chest, Navy SEAL, right? Like, mm -hmm. like it is. And I was so taken aback by that book. And I love that book so much, um, that that's what literally catapulted, I think everything that we're, we're doing today. Wow. Um, Another book that I thought was, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Gary John Bishop. I'm not necessarily a fan of the titles of his book. It's it's unf yourself, stop doing that shit, and and that his latest book, Wise is F. Um, but Gary Gary John Bishop, I've had him on the podcast a handful of times. I actually he was actually one of our keynote speakers at a Dad Edge Summit, which is our live event that we do every year. And so I've really gotten to know him over the years. And he, even though the title of his book can offend some people, he's brilliant. I mean, he is absolutely brilliant, like as yeah. far as like how he goes about life and overcoming self-sabotage and your mentality and perception of things and huge fan of his work. Sweet. Man, those are two that have not come up. I mean, I, I'm not familiar with uh, with him. Um, I've heard some of the titles, but then and yeah. the divine one too, I've listened to, I've enjoyed listening to his podcast for a long time. And Oh, yeah. Uh, almost made it to one of their events. Um, was it Kokoro or what's it? Kokoro. Oh boy. Yeah. 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 I almost tried to recruit some guys to go and nobody wanted to go. <laughs> so, a lot of our guys in the Alliance, man, uh, two of our team captains have done the one, one guy did the 50 hour mm. and another guy did the 24. Um, it's, wow. it is yeah. They said it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. I think I was, I think at that point I was looking for some punishment for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for those. Yeah. Those are good tips. Um, for you, is there, you know, I, I asked this question and you know, sometimes it, it resonates, but you know, is there a, uh, you know, a life verse or, you know, one that really stands out to you or maybe with your, with your family or wife or one that you, you find yourself coming back to in terms of, you know, your faith and, um, a life verse that really means something to you? You know, yeah, you know, and I, I think it it can absolutely be faith based as well. Yeah. Um, it's more earthly based, but I, I I think you can really throw it through the filter. I, I do. I throw it through the filter of my faith as well as earth based things mm -hmm. as well. Um, the definition of hell is meeting the man that you could have been when you're laying on your deathbed. Mm. So uh, there are a lot of things that I think about, or there are choices that I have to make every day. Right. And so, and I'll run that through the filter of like, if I'm on my deathbed, would I regret that decision or would I be proud of it? Mm -hmm. And that really, you know, whether it's faith-based or being a parent or whether, whatever it is, um, mm -hmm. that one quote, you know, I, I love running decisions sometimes through that quote, because like what I, sometimes the easy path is going to be the easy one or it's going to be the easy choice. And the harder one might be 
the other one, but it, it, that puts me in a visualization process to where like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be proud of that decision if today's my last day. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, living up to your God-given potential and just kind of leaving it all on the field. Um, I love that, you know, that I don't love the image, but I love what the image, you know, motivates you to go do and, and take action with. So that's awesome. Well, Larry, it's uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor. And I just, you know, want to commend you for what you're doing with, you know, these dads and you know, using your own personal story to kind of fuel you, motivate you to to do some things that make a big impact in the world and you know all these 600 plus guys and you know and beyond that are that are being impacted by you and the ripple effect that that's going to have with their kids and their marriages and their communities and just everywhere their sphere of influence leads them so i just gotta you know take my hat off to you and you know do what we can you know with our iron sharpens iron tribe to you know support you and encourage you and say you know great job to what you're doing keep it up so thank you very much thank you my friend i appreciate that Sounds good. Well, for um, if anyone wants to check it out, you know, I'll, we'll post a show notes to uh, the Dad Edge and the Good Dad Project. And that is, is that the best place to kind of connect with you and learn more? Yeah, gooddadproject.com, depending on when this show airs, I mean, it's probably the easiest way to find us. Um, okay. It's uh, sooner or later, it's probably going to be within the next 60 days where everything is going to be at thedadedge.com. Okay. okay. Uh, so, yeah, find us nice. all. All right. Sounds good. Well, appreciate it, Larry. Thank you very much, brother. You bet. Holy moly, that was like drinking from a fire hose. I love this conversation with Larry. Um, obviously speaks from lots of personal experience and just lessons learned doing what he's doing. I mean, I wanted to touch on a couple of key takeaways I had. Uh, number one, obviously we kind of jumped right into the marriage component and talking about how that's a skill. And what do men want? Men want to be appreciated, respected, and validated, knowing that they are enough for you. And women want to be seen, heard, and connected, and they want to be validated. And just how a simple pause and a reflection and not jumping in to fix it and to recognize, am I, am I seeing them? Am I hearing them? Am I connecting with them? Am I validating them? That's what they want to hear first before they want to know what the solutions are to be fixed. So that is awesome. And then the connection with the kids and some tactical examples he had there with the story about the grades and just how you could reframe that situation and, and let your kids take charge, let them take ownership of their own destiny and solve their own problems because essentially that's what they need to do in the real world if we're trying to raise them to be the best that they can be. So just love the conversation. Love what Larry's doing. Uh, you can check out more at the Good Dad Project or thedadedge.com. And I uh, hope you got some some takeaways. And then just some quick things, as you know, as we wrap up, we have uh, a couple things that we do to really help you. Number one is our retreats. That's kind of the, the keystone thing that we do, 24-hour retreats. We have a bunch coming up in Cleveland and Columbus and Nashville. And we're also have recently launched the women's component of uh, the Iron Sharpens Iron. So if you want a chance to step away for just 24 hours, be inspired, be around other amazing humans that are trying to be the best that they can be, uh, join us at one of our retreats. It'll be 24 hours that will be impactful for you. Uh, and then also we're doing Stay Sharp Saturdays. It's just a quick one-hour chance to connect with us on Zoom. It's the first Saturday of each month. All the details are on our website. You can RSVP there, but we bring speakers on our five apps, faith, family, faculty, finance, and fitness. And we just give you uh, faith-based wisdom within each of those areas so you can be your best. Uh, help tune up maybe an area that you want to know more about or, or get better at and connect with other guys that are on the same journey as you. So until next time, um, stay sharp, everybody.